Welcome to Fearless University, the podcast where we discuss, dissect, and examine some of life's greatest fears. My name is Coach Lane Lee, performance coach and fear psychology enthusiast, here to help you understand your greatest fears. Fear is my passion, curiosity is my nature, and understanding is the gift I seek to share with all who will listen. Because if we seek to understand more, we can learn to fear less. Welcome to another episode of Fearless University. Each week, I feature a new guest who lends their special brand of wisdom and expertise to help me unlock the mysteries of fear. What we discuss is not an exact science, but in all things, we seek understanding. Because it's not about being void of fear, but understanding more to fear fear itself less. I want to thank you for spending some time with me today, wherever you're listening. Be sure to like and share this episode if you find it helpful or entertaining. And be sure to turn on your notifications so you know when a new episode drops. And as always, be sure to rate and review us wherever you find us. By doing so, you're helping our placement and ranking in search results. Help me touch the lives of millions of people around the world, adding value to their lives, helping them to understand more and in turn, fear less. I hope you're ready to be uplifted today, my friends, because this is a special episode that's almost taken two months to put together. Back in June of this year, I was invited down to Arizona to speak at an event about fear, not just how to help athletes outperform their fears, but how to help parents and coaches better understand what their athletes are going through. While I was there, I made a new friend by the name of Ida. You'll hear all about how we met in just a few moments, but just know that the encounter truly blessed my day and touched my heart. If I had to give Ida a title as an expert in some field, it would be observation, introspection, and forgiveness. She is a testament to what the power of forgiveness can do to your life and how learning what truly matters in your world helps you focus your love and your pursuits. But even beyond that, She's learned to better understand herself, which has helped her to better understand her fear. And by doing so, she's better able to lead her daughters by example, showing them how to outperform their fears on a daily basis. We talk about how it was only when Ida was tired of being a victim that she began exceeding the expectations of those who sought to put limitations on her life. We talk about drawing strength from adversity and how she feels her gift is being a vessel that connects people helping them find each other. And we talk about how getting to keep her daughters in her life is what inspires her to keep going every single day. I truly hope you guys are as inspired listening to this as I was conducting the interview. So without further ado, I present to you guys my new friend, Ida. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Coach Lane here for Fearless University. I am super excited about today's episode. Uh, It's an episode that's been like five or six weeks in the making. Uh, No one's fault but my own, of course. I've kind of taken a little hiatus 
from uh, from doing episodes over the summer just because it's been such a stressful uh, schedule trying to find time this summer for uh, for episodes and I didn't want the quality to suffer but I'm regardless I'm super excited uh, I've got a young lady with me today that uh, just inspired me when I met her and I had to have her on the on the show so uh, about five weeks ago um, I was invited down to Arizona to speak at an event. Uh, my friend Dave Kirshner put together um, to the staff and everyone he introduced me to, I was referred to as the fear guy and would then have subsequent conversations that directly reflected that introduction. And I, I loved it because it was allowing me to jump directly into conversations about a subject I'm so passionate about learning about people's fears and helping them to see and understand them differently. While I was seated at the hotel bar grabbing lunch, uh, one of the staffers started a conversation with me and simply asked what it was that I did. So I went on to tell him about, you know, how I'm a performance coach specializing in tumbling technique and helping athletes to understand their fears and an effort to outperform them. And after about 10 minutes, he grabbed his food and he headed back to the event. And then a few moments later, the young woman uh, attending bar turned to me and said something to the effect of, you know, I was listening to what you were saying about fear, and it sounds a lot like what I tell my daughters every day. We started talking, and I was so moved by her strength, her tenacity, her resilience, her her, her whole joie de vivre that I had to ask her to be on the show. And that's what got us here today. And this is what I love. My guest today is not a specialist, a scholar, a guru. She just told me she's never been interviewed before. She's a woman and a mother who's just trying to raise three strong women herself. Ida, thanks for being on the show. No problem. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How have you been since we last spoke? Good. You know, just continuing to grind, you know, teach my girls and trying to raise them as best as I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's an everyday thing. So, um, yeah, this is this is fun because this is something that's new for you. And to be honest, like interviewing people is still new for me. I'm just doing what I love doing and just talking. Um, so <laughs> no pressure. You know, of course, there are no right or wrong answers or anything like that. We I just want to learn more about you. And, and as I told you that day, I, I really think that um, your story, no matter how long or short it may be, just your story, I, I know, is one that can resonate and um, connect with so many other women out there and listeners. And I, I think that that's an important thing is, you know, I want to put value out into the world. And I think this is a valuable conversation to be shared. Um, so, yeah. So tell us a little about yourself. Who is who is today's Ida? Oh, wow. Um, Today's Ida is a lot different than what she used to be. I am more of a grab life by the horns, enjoy every moment, um, uh, whether it be happy, sad, uh, just, you know, enjoy life, enjoy life to its fullest. That's what we humans are pretty much here for, whether you're trying to find yourself, whether you're lost and need guidance, just, you know, trying to find who you are in today is, is a fabulous thing. And it's, you know, it's life. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, what kind of, what kind of, um, 
joy do you see yourself experiencing on a daily basis now that you kind of have that, that outlook on life? Knowing that I have my daughters, um, there was a moment where I actually feared losing my daughters to, um, to CPS, it's uh, child protective services mm-hmm. due to someone else's, um, decisions and uh, that that was one of the biggest fears that I had to face in my life and so now knowing that my girls are with me they're mine and there's no intervention of any government anything is the best feeling being able to be there when they're happy when they're sad when they have those moments where they just need a rock knowing that I can be there for my girls is the happiest thing for me. That's beautiful. That's my biggest joy. Um, one of the things that keeps coming up lately, and I think it's just because it's at the forefront of my mind, is um, a quote that I read um, by an ancient philosopher where he was saying, uh, Seneca the Younger, and he was saying that uh, we, f- we suffer more in imagination than in reality. And, yes. Um, you know, he's talking about how we don't necessarily fear the unknown. We fear what we think we know about the unknown. Um, yeah. When, when you're talking about the fear that you used to have of not having your daughters, um, explain that fear maybe a little bit more. Was it a, was it, you know, maybe kind of thinking about those quotes, was it, were you suffering more from the thought of not having your daughters or from the reality of them not being there? I think it was a little bit of both. I, um, I went through, we, well, we, my daughters and I went through this, um, phase, uh, not too long ago, about four years ago, where we found something out from that my ex-husband had did. Mm -hmm. And, they try to claim that I knew and I didn't. And so, of course, my mind is going haywire. Like, you know, based on what I do know, they can take my kids away. I'll never get to see them. And that's that's the worst fear. Um, I, I recall speaking with a co-worker not too long ago, and she was saying that she thinks her purpose in life is to be a mom. And she asked me you know, how I felt. And I said, I think that's the perfect explanation. Mm. My purpose in life is to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't see myself without my daughters. They're my driving force. I tell them I'm their step stool to the next galaxy and beyond. Wow. That, you know, they, they're they amazing as they are. I mean, you know, lazy, but what kid isn't lazy? But, you know, just fearing that I might not be able to witness them grow and learn about themselves and their environment and how they can be um, helpful to other people um, that I might not be able to see them. It was, it was a fear that consumed me. Uh, there was a point where I would literally drive home after work and circle the block, fearing opening the door and hearing your kids got taken today. Wow. That was the worst thing I had to deal with in my entire life. Everything that I've been through, that was the worst. Wow. 
and maybe just give us like the um because this this is what really kind of your your personality you know how they always say like your personality gets you through the door (laughs) your personality is really what drew me to our into our conversation um you know that day and and so maybe tell us you know you told me but i want to tell everybody you know a little bit about (laughs) who you know where you're from who you are like what I don't see you just, be, despite what you said, I don't see you just being this strong of a person now, but I think that you are stronger than you were before. I agree with that, but you oh, seem definitely. like you've been like, you know, especially knowing where you're from. So tell us, you know, where you're from and some of the things that you had to struggle with before. So, um, I was born in Coney Island in New York and I was uh, raised in Trenton, uh, New Jersey. So growing up, I um, I had all these health issues that I didn't know at the time when I was younger. But um, there was one health issue that was I have a one leg longer than the other and I have to wear a lift in my shoe. And I've been told constantly that I'm not normal, that I'm not going to live a regular life. And that pushed me to be like, wait, what? You know, like mm-hmm. when I was younger, it always made me feel self-conscious and I was never, you know, secure when I was younger. And then when I became a teenager, it really started to get on me. You know, I unfortunately went through molestation. And when I spoke against it, it never happened again, thank God. But it was one of those moments in life where you're just like, nobody cares about me the way that I thought they did. So that's when I started to face things and be like, wait, you're telling me I can't do something. Let's go watch me do it with a smile. And I will exceed your expectation because I was tired of being that little pushover girl. I was tired of being the one told that I wasn't normal. I was tired of being the one that was told I can't do anything in life. I'm never going to succeed. Um, so that's when I started to draw my strength was when I was tired of being the victim. I did wow. not want to be a victim anymore. I um, I played basketball. I did martial arts. I was in a marching band. I did color guard. Um, I did all these things, even with my slight disability, right. I guess people would say. And I did all this and still exceeded people's expectations. Even doctors were like, wow, you you doing that? They're like, that's good, you know? Right. I had family members telling me that I wasn't going to be normal. And I'm like, oh, watch this. Watch this. That became my thing. Um, I met my ex-husband and figured, oh, wow, we're going to go far together. Mm. That ended up horrible as far as... He, I, how do I put it? I can see when someone puts their fist up towards me and I can defend that. I've never been mentally abused, so I did not know how to defend myself. Right. I didn't know. Um, people would tell me that I'm pretty and I would feel guilty because someone looked at me and I knew he would get upset. Mm. You know, things like that. Right. So... The strength that I did gather, I lost. And then when he made the decision to do the awful thing that he did, that almost caused me to lose my girls. My strength came back tenfold. And I was like, there's no way I'm giving up on my children. 
They are my life. I already been through so much. I'm not going to be the victim again. I've already played victim. It is not a good feeling. So going through that is what brought me to where I am today. Wow. Where I want these, I want young women to know, like every young woman that I come in contact with and they're telling me some of their stories, I share with them a little bit of mine. And I'm like, you know, when it comes down to it, if you want to think about it in a logical manner, who's paying your bills? Mm. Who's taking care of what you have to take care of? You. Right. No one else. So when people come and they give you encouragement, take it. Right. But when they give you discouragement, you push it to the side and be like, you know what? I know who I am. Mm. And that's where I am today. I don't want to be that victim anymore. I don't want my girls to be victims. What so would you I say, have to push. Oh, I'm sorry. What would oh, no, you're fine. You, I was going to say, what would you say to the girls and the women who, um, who, whose victim mentality is so strong and the confidence is so low to where they feel like, you know, I hear you and you sound so strong. I don't feel like I can be that strong to actually step up and say something or, or do something. What would you say to, to a young girl or a woman that approached you and you're sitting there talking to her, but maybe she, she just doesn't know how to take that first step. Cause I know that first step in anything you're talking about is usually the hardest step to take. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I looked in a mirror and did not know who I was. I looked in a mirror and cried because I lost who I was. That first step is indeed the hardest step. But remember, to get from point A to point B, you have to take that first step. Mm. It's going to be the hardest step you ever take. But remember, even when you was a baby and you started walking, you kept falling down. But look at you, you can walk from one sofa to another chair to the fridge. Just don't think of it as this is going to be a life-changing thing and it's going to mess up everything. It's, it's no, no, you're putting yourself back into that, mental, that victim mentality. Mm. Just do it. Dive yeah. in. It's going to be hard. I love that uh, analogy because um, I use it a lot in my coaching too for different reasons, of course, but I, I say, you know, when you were a baby, walking wasn't natural. It didn't come natural. You had to learn to do it. And as mm -hmm. babies, we cry, not because falling hurts every time, but because we're frustrated and we don't have the words at that moment to express yeah. our frustration, you know? Um, but yeah. what I love about what you just added to this analogy is you're right. When you're learning to walk, you're not doing it alone. You're not trying to stand mm -hmm. on your own. You're not making it from A to B on your own. You have family that's there to help hold your hand and try to help you walk and teach mm -hmm. you left and mm -hmm. right. You have chairs and sofas that you can grab onto, tables. You have other things that you can hold onto for assistance. And I think that that was just a beautiful analogy that you just illustrated to say you're not alone you have people in your life that care about you who will support you and you have uh, other things, resources at your disposal that you yes. can use. I know there's, there are hundreds of organizations out there, but I think that the, the biggest thing, especially with mental abuse, the biggest thing that the abusers count on is that that first step usually involves speaking your fear and your frustration and your abuse out 
and they know that a lot of people will not talk. They're ashamed to talk about what they're going through in the first place. Yeah. Oh, I was ashamed. I was very ashamed. My family saw and his family saw and they were strong people and they would say this and I would defend him. Oh, no, it's because of this. Oh, no, it's because of that. But when I was alone, I would look in the mirror and cry knowing I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would always think everybody needs to be loved, so he needs to be loved. You wow. need to first love. You can't love anyone until you first love yourself because then it's not love. Right. It took me forever to understand that. Right. And that level of compassion is crazy that even in, even in, in your abuse, you were still thinking he's doing this because he doesn't love himself. Yeah, it is. It's, I'm telling you, it, it's a trip. It really is a mental trip. Yeah. Wow. So when everybody sees it, yeah, they just have to open up their eyes. When did you first start? When did you first start talking about it? Um, when it came to like what he did mm. and it was like, okay, I'm not defending that action. Mm. It was that one thing that made me say, no, no more, no more will I be a victim because now my daughters are looking towards me. And if I'm a victim, they're going to be a victim. We have to remember, um, I forget exactly where I read this, but it made so much sense. And I'm glad I read this because this comment, this statement, I should say, is what also helped me. When a child speaks the word mother, they speak it as they're speaking the word God. Mm. And that came to my mind when I said, I am no longer a victim. And I looked at my girls and I'm like, if that's how it's they see me right i am not gonna let them down i am not gonna be the one to say it's okay to get stepped on because it's not and when i say i'm the step stool to them to the next galaxy that means that i'm boosting them up i'm not letting them step on me right so i just want to make sure that i clarify that (laughs) (laughs) no i think that's very clear and i think that if from the sound of it, it's what you're teaching them to be as well. Don't be a step stool, a step stool for people to step on, but yeah. uh, a, an instrument of edification. Like you are here in this life to lift other people up. Don't let them step on you, and don't in turn step on them just to get to that next level. Yeah. Always lift other people yeah. up with them. I mean, it's it's crazy just the timing of things. You know, this conversation happened today because it was meant to happen today. I just got done watching. Um, I may have mentioned this to you when we were in person, but I just got done watching uh, this awesome roundtable discussion. Uh, Justin Baldoni, who plays Raphael on Jane the Virgin. Um, he has a, a wonderful campaign called Man Enough. And he in a roundtable of other guys, Lewis Howes, um, Scooter Braun, a couple of other guys were uh, around the table and they were talking. The whole show is about, you know, speaking on what what does it actually mean to be a man? And today's topic was awesome because they were speaking on the Me Too um, campaign about okay. uh, all the women that are coming forth, women and men, but mostly women that are coming forward um, 
about sexual assault in Hollywood. And yeah. um, it's crazy because what a number of the things that you were saying were touched on in that episode, like almost verbatim. And um, I think and I've that, never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, and and that's what I'm just saying. Like how you can tell when something is meant to be happening at a certain time, because yeah, you'll yeah. you'll see it repeated, you know, several times throughout your day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this mm-hmm. is just crazy. But I, I think that you know the the thing that connected with me, connected the dots for me, was when you said that you have to love yourself first before you try loving other people. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think that that was just, that was tremendous because, um, I think that's what leads a lot of people to, to be on both sides of the coin, unfortunately, to not just be the, the, uh, abuser, but to allow themselves to be abused as well. Um, and not to say that it's something that you, you know, welcome, but that it's something like you said that it, it even took you a a while to say, you know what, enough is enough. Um, it's just, uh. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of just a crazy, <laughs> you know, coincidence. But um, I wanted to go back to to the day that we we met. Um, yeah. I was just curious what what was it about my conversation with that other uh, staffer that was sitting there that struck a chord with you? Because I know you know I know you hear thousands of conversations um, <laughs> a week. You know what was it about that yeah. conversation that kind of stuck out to you? Um, I don't recall which coworker it was, but I recall telling a coworker something similar about fear, about, you know, being strong. And so when you started speaking on that, you know, it was like, well, well, hey, you know, right. Let me, let me, let me, let me talk to you because it's, you know, and, um, I recall speaking, uh, introducing you to another coworker yes. that's trying to find his way. So right. it was just like, you know. I don't know. I always see myself as, um, how do I say it? Like a, a seg, a segue person. A vessel. Like I'm always if, a vessel. Yes. If I can't help you, I know someone else who can. Right. No, I think that that's a, um, a beautiful role to assume in life, to be a vessel for information and introductions. You know, you're the, you're the person that a greater purpose flows through, you know, I think that's a, yeah. a beautiful role to assume but um yeah i'd not i think this is great um what let me see i want to talk about your you and your daughters really quick because that's that's where our conversation went immediately when we were talking um yeah (laughs) so i have a couple questions just regarding your your relationship with them and what you told me you try to teach them um so what what do you what specifically do you teach your daughters about fear? Um, and then this next two part question, what are you afraid of them not knowing? And what are you afraid okay. of them being afraid of? Hmm. Um, I know one of my biggest fears is them not knowing how to defend themselves mentally, spiritually, physically, you know, I, I try to instill in them, um, you know, um, as far as like, you know, spiritually, you always, always try to keep your mind intact, always, because, you know, the devil's playground, idle hands is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. 
So when you're literally bored and there's nothing to do, that's when your stupid thoughts go into your head. Mm. That's when you're like, oh, well, let's see what happens with this. And accidents happen and things like that. So I always try to keep them busy somehow. Reading a book they love to read, which I got to tell you, for me, when I was younger, that was not my favorite thing. So I I love that. that Preaching (laughs) to the choir. That's how I am. I'm I'm still struggling with learning to love reading, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So hard. But it's um so my biggest fear is them not knowing how to approach it. Um but um another one is not 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 knowing enough. Like mm. do do I teach them enough so that they can, you know, protect themselves against these attacks? Um um, let me see. My, I, I'm going to use my oldest for an example right now. Um, my my oldest, um, she she was bullied at the time when all this craziness was happening, and um, I recall one day she too was just like enough, you know, because I would always tell her, well, no, you know, it's not okay for people to hit on you, and you have to defend yourself, and mm-hmm. um. So she she finally stood up to her bullies and they stopped messing with her. And then she also saved a few people's lives. And what I mean is by they would tell her that they wanted to commit suicide. And she took the proper steps to ensure that that would not happen. Wow. And that was like eye-opening to me. I mean, she's such an inspiration. <laughs> I'm sorry, getting emotional. <laughs> no, of course you are. Um, like this is, you know. Yeah, she, you know, she's such an inspiration to wow. not only me but to her sisters. Um, my middle one, she's so talented. I mean, she can bring up, she can make up her own music and beats and stuff. And she's a great artist, and she's finally starting to come out her show slowly. And, you know, I let her know that that's okay. You right. know, when she's ready to come out, that, you know, I'll be here for her. But, you know, I, I have, I'm i trying to encourage her to come out of her shell. And uh, my youngest, she has no shell. I mean, she's just out there. Like, whatever's <laughs> there is there. She, <laughs> she will let you know how she feels. And that's awesome. So her, I'm trying to calm down just a little bit, right. you know, to, to give her the proper verbiage. Right. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, it's it's just, it's like a, a plethora of things. Like, yeah. my girls are just, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how, how important they are to me, how much they inspire me to push every day. Like, I also have fibromyalgia, so there's days where I'm like, I, I hurt, but I literally sit up off that bed and I'm like, we're going to do this. Those girls need you to do this. Wow. And I go. Was beautiful I'm trying to remember the first part of the question. <laughs> no, no, you're doing great. I, I was just going to say real quick, it's beautiful because it sounds like each of them has a different piece of you and that they're, oh, able, you know, and that they're able to, um, it's almost like, you know, you guys are inspiring each other because you, you bless them with a little piece of you and they're blessing you back by saying, you know, this, this is what makes me unique is the same thing that was a part of you that made you unique. Um, yeah. That's so beautiful. I think the first part of the question was, you know, what do you try to teach them about fear? Um, you know, whether it's 
um, understanding it better? Or maybe that's the question is how do you teach them to understand fear better? You know, what kind of education do you give them? You said you want to be stronger mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, what, what kind of education do you give them so that when they are faced with fears, they don't um, freeze in the face of those fears or they don't, um, you know, become victims of those fears? Um, to assess the situation, to step back and say, why am I afraid? Mm. Um, my six-year-old, um, you know, she's, she's six, so she's going to be scared of the dark. Mm. And so I try to put a logical sense to it and say, well, what is scary? And she'll say, but mommy, it's dark in there. And I'll say, you know where the light switch is? She goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, do you think that would help? And she would say, maybe. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'll say, well, we'll go and, you know, we'll turn on the light switch. And I'm like, well, how about now? And she's like, Okay, no, I'm not scared. I just want you with me. Then it's like, oh, so that's what it was. It was right. fear. It was you wanted companionship. Yeah. Wow. You know, I try to teach them to verbalize what it is. You're scared of it, but why are you scared of it? Let's try to assess that first. Once you assess that, you can come up with logical explanations right. that would help you face it. I mean, everyone has an illogical fear sometimes. Like, mine is heights. Like, I know I'm not literally going to fall off of this. Right. So, let's see. If I look at the horizon, maybe that would be better as opposed to staring and imagining. Like you were saying earlier, and you know, the fear of imagination. That's like, oh, my right. God, you know, I'm going to get sucked up by gravity and it's going to, you know, <laughs> take right. me down. <laughs> mine is the ocean. People laugh at me all the time, but more specifically, it's what I don't know is in the ocean and, and some of what I do know is in the ocean. People laugh all the time. I tell yeah. them I'm afraid of whales and they, they laugh because they're like, whales are like gentle giants. And I say, I, I get that, but they're also the size of a dinosaur swimming in the water. And yeah. just, it's like I said, it's not that we fear the unknown. We fear what we think we know about the unknown. And so for exactly. me, I'm afraid of being in the ocean and not seeing something that big swimming up next to me. It sounds ridiculous. I can't explain it. No, it's not ridiculous at all because <laughs> I have, I, 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 I totally get it. Like yeah. I see this big old whale swimming by me. I'm going to feel minuscule. Oh, I'm going to yeah. be like, Oh my God, if this thing decides to turn, how am I going to react? Right. And that's where you sit there and you step in and say, okay, logically, I know this is a being that's not going to hurt right. me. Exactly. So, let me embrace the beauty of it as opposed to fearing what I see because it that, that's when it goes back to the imagination and you're like, okay, you know, like for me, mine was scorpions. Like I've literally had a scorpion crawl across my chest oh, and cause it was no. like, it was on a blanket and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, if I freak out, it's going to sting me. Right. So I literally folded the blanket. And I put it in the kitchen where there was no carpet because I knew it blended in. And I'm like, okay, there's a scorpion in there. And then I dealt <laughs> with it. But I was like, oh my, like inside I'm screaming like, oh my God, right. scorpion on me. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know what I would have done, but I, I usually, you know, I just had a girl the other day. I was, I was spotting her on a skill and, um, mm-hmm. she got distracted halfway through her back 
tuck, which is, you know, no hands. She got distracted halfway through. And it's funny because, you know, we're, we're taught that the brain is a multitasking organ. We're taught that the brain can do multiple things at once, which is inherently true, but it's, it's sole purpose is to focus. It's a focus thing, you know? So it, it wants Mm -hmm. you to focus on completing one task at a time. And when we get distracted from that and you, are having other variables, you know, that you have to pay attention to, it gets dangerous. And, and it's funny because the body reacts in two ways. Like when you're spinning, the body spreads itself out to slow down the spin. And then when we're standing still, or when you're not spinning, the body does the opposite. It crunches in to protect itself, like from a predator. And so since she was spinning, she spread herself out and she, I slowed her down as much as I could. And thankfully it was enough so that she came down on her back and she was, she was good to go. She started laughing right away. But, uh, it's just, it's funny how quickly we react, like the body will react without you really thinking of things. And usually what it does is it reacts in a way that the brain thinks is going to keep you safe when really it's actually going to cause more danger for you if you just react to things. Yeah. If you had just reacted to the yeah. scorpion, you most likely would have been stung, you know, but yeah. instead you took a moment. And I think that's what happens with fear. When we fear things and we just react, the situation always gets worse instead of if we can really yeah. take a moment to reflect on, okay, like you said, why am I afraid? Um, and how can I logically think about what's actually happening to me right now? I think that, Definitely keeps you in a safer position than if you just react right away and freak out. Yeah. So like, there's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, there was a because when you said that, oh, it reminded me of a, a a story. My daughter, my oldest, was telling because she's in high school now. She'll be a senior this year. Wow. And she was telling me that she was at a at the bleachers, and her and her friend heard some popping sound so they automatically duck and so they didn't realize it was balloons until they assessed the situation but mm. then when everyone was like what what are you guys doing she's like oh i tripped you know like right. she just made it seem light of the situation but um also being that she was born in jersey and she also the um you know you could take the the girl at the ghetto but you can't take the ghetto at the girl type right. of thing you know so right. she kind of reacts to things like okay hold on and it's just like okay what's going on you know but right. I always tell them, assess the situations. And then with these unfortunate school shootings, you know, people just react, you know, take a minute to assess the situation. Don't run towards the danger. Look to see what's happening, but don't put yourself in it, you know? And it's just uh, one of those things with the reacting thing. Like my 12 year old choked on a candy and I was like, okay, don't just react because she's going to react because she's seeing me Mm. so i have to be as calm as possible i helped her i did the heimlich i took the the plastic out her mouth it was like one of those roll-up things yeah and then when she was fine i walked away and cried wow because it was so scary but at the moment it's like okay we have to take care of the situation feelings could come in later but let's be as logical as possible without making it worse so true and it's it's funny because I know some people will hear these stories and analogies and just think, oh, that's just coming from a mom. 
And it's like, this has <laughs> nothing to do with no. just being no. a mom or this is being a human being. Like this is stuff that, yes. you know, any, anybody can relate to uh, because this is how we all behave. This is human nature. You know, um, mm -hmm. it, we're predictable like that. And I think that it's super important to yeah. see through what's actually being said and, and, or what's being said on the surface and look through to what's actually being said is that, you know, emotion causes reckless decisions in the moment. Yeah. So if you're yeah. in the moment and there's an emergency, think logically, keep a cool head. And, and I think that that's the, the other important thing to bring in here is that the more you prepare, and this is what it sounds like you do with your daughters, the more you prepare for that moment when fear tries to take over, the more prepared you are, the better able you'll be to navigate around it and mm -hmm. stay in that logic place or that logical place because that's what fear does. It, it inhibits progress and movement and it holds you back from taking, you know, getting outside of a comfort zone, whatever that comfort zone may be. Um, it, mm -hmm. it prevents you from taking that, that necessary leap forward. Yeah. I mean, there's that saying and the saying is purposely, there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. Amen. If you let it take over, then that's it. You're stuck. Yeah. But once you think about it and assess it, then you're like, well, what am I really fearing? Right. And I think that's the hardest thing that people have to do. And I know it was for me. It was like, what? Face my fear. Oh, you're crazy. Huh? Right. No, it's, you know, think about it. And there's so many terms that I've, you know, in, in these last three years, I've been studying fear and talking more about it. And, and, you know, as I continue to talk about it and develop my own philosophies and stuff about it, there are terms that I have denounced or not liked um, mm -hmm. that, that pop culture has made very popular when it comes to fear, conquering your fear, destroying your fear, overcoming your fear. Those are all um, physically aggressive terms. You know, they mm -hmm. all involve some sort of struggle in which you're fighting against fear. And I, I try to be of the advocacy of, or the, the, uh, the side of the table where you're saying it's not about fighting your fear. It's about learning no, to understand it. it and embrace it. And I think facing yeah. your fear is the only term that's been popularized that I, that I like, because it's true. In order for you to get to a place where you can, I, I start saying, outperform your fears, right? In mm -hmm. order for you to get to a spot where you can outperform your fears, you have to first stop running, turn around, and just get very uncomfortable and come face to face mm -hmm. with what you're actually afraid of. And, yes. and like you were saying earlier, that's that first step and it's probably the most scary, uncomfortable step you'll ever have to take in your life, no matter who yeah. or what you're afraid of. But there has to come a time if you're going to see any sort of uh, growth in yourself, in your business, in your family, mm -hmm. you have to stop and you have to turn and say, I'm here, enough running, let's do this. Yes. Wow. I mean, don't your feet get tired from running? <laughs> oh man, seriously. And and like you said, it is so scary, you know, but there there have to come there has to come a point where 
you have to stop and say, you know, I, I'm done. I'm tired. And, and, and there's a difference between giving up and, you know, um, saying enough is enough just because you stop. Yeah. And I think a oh, lot yeah. of, you know, like I think a lot of people keep running because they're like, well, if I stop, that's me giving up. And then they're afraid of being consumed by what they're running from instead of saying, they must've never heard. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. They must have never heard that saying where it says, you know, you can fight the battle another day. Yes. You don't have to do it all in one day. You know, losing one battle doesn't mean you lose the war. Exactly. It's huge. This is why I enjoy talking to you because you, you, you like <laughs> myself, you've, you're just full of quotables. And I love it because it's like, you know, you're, you're connecting all those, those philosophical dots yourself and, uh, yeah, we had a great conversation. I wanted to ask you, um, you, you kind of already mm -hmm. touched on these questions that I had. I was saying, you know, you already told us about your own struggles with fear, and how, what or how fear was holding you back in life. You already told us what changed within you. Um, you mm -hmm. sent me a picture because I requested a picture to put on the, the cover. And um, I, I, this is just me. I'm just a curious person mm -hmm. like this, but. I know that you probably chose that photo for a reason. And I thought it was really dope because you're standing in front of a neon <laughs> sign that says, face me, face you. What? Well, I'm accidentally covering the eye. That was my mistake. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So it says, face it me, says, I face, face you. Me, I face you. Yes. Okay. Regardless. <laughs> Why was it important for you to take a photo in front of that neon sign? Um, I was telling my daughter, like, she'll, my oldest likes to take uh, photography. And so I was like, you know, baby, we need pictures. We need pictures. So my um, my brother had came down to visit us, and he brought my nephew. And so we went to the Phoenix Art Museum. Mm -hmm. And so we walk in, and, you know... Um, my my brother, he's also a speaker and stuff. And you know, I was just like, you know, I need something. I need a good statement. You know, I want if if young women are going to listen to this, I want I want something to stand out, even in the photo that makes them go, wow. Yeah. And we literally walk into the museum, and that is right there. And I'm Shut like, up. oh my god. I love that. Thank you, Lord. That is awesome. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like things just come together when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you saw that. And of course it clicked. You're like, this is perfect. But why? Yeah. Why was that perfect to you? What was, what was it saying to you in that moment? In that moment, it was, it kind of brought me back to that moment when I remember looking in the mirror and I'm like, who are you? You know? And I'm literally facing myself. I'm facing my fear because at that moment, it's me I'm fearing. I am the unknown because I don't know who I am anymore. Mm. So if I could literally, that kind of projected it. So, you know, being that we were talking on fear and taking that first step, that was the hardest step. I mean, the hardest thing was to come to the realization that I was the unknown now. Right. I didn't know how I was going to react to anything. That was scary. Because wow. even though we can't control what's going on around us, we can control our reaction to it. And that just might save your life. So face me, 
as I face you. Face me in yes. order for me to face you. And yes. I have to face myself in order to face whatever it is that I'm afraid of. Yeah, because that was Even my Even if fear. that is me. Wow. I, yeah. That's crazy. All right, Ida, we got one last so question. That, I got one last question for you. Okay. Because uh, this has been an amazing time and your insight, as I knew it would, has been amazing. So I, I appreciate you so much. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for your strength, for your resilience, for your uh, your zeal for life now where you are not letting anybody uh, take you or your girls prisoner and you're not allowing themselves to hold themselves back from anything in life. And that positive outlook is gravely needed in today's world. And that education is needed. I work with young girls every single day and I've always admired um, the strength of women. I always call guys the, the, the wimps, you know, I'm like guys cannot put up with what women have to go through. And to say that we could is just lying and, and, uh, joking, just the biggest joke in the world. But, um, <laughs> it's something that I've always admired and, and continue to admire. But, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you just for that positivity that you put out into the world and just the, the light you. that you emit. And just want to thank you for, for whatever spoke to you that day to say, Hey, turn to this guy and, and just strike up a conversation. Yeah. I, I greatly appreciate that because uh, I feel like I've gained a new friend in that process. Thank you. Sure have. So last question is something I ask everybody. Um, and I think it's, it, it usually produces just such a cool reaction because it's sometimes it's something we think about. Sometimes it's not, but um, the question is what is the greatest lesson you have ever learned from fear? Um, instead of using it as a crutch, use it as rocket fuel. Just not to let it disable me, but enable me to react better and think clearer. Mm. I think that would be the lesson because fear is a trip. And so I think I use it more as rocket fuel to say, what? Let's go. Instead of, whoa, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, that that was, I'm just sitting here smiling the whole time because I'm like, that's amazing. And that's, that's something that I think too many people will, you know, fear, I've always said fear is just that term that in our culture mm -hmm. we use as a blanket term. And we don't mm -hmm. get specific enough when we're actually talking about it. You know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, or yeah, I have a fear of this. Like if you look up how many uh, classifications of fear there are, all the phobias, there's oh, a list of thousands. And that's because mm -hmm. I think that's why it's still used as a blanket term is because fear is unique to every single person. And even though yeah. it, it may be irrational, even though it's something that, you are experiencing that I may have, I may hear it and say, Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've been afraid of that too. It, no, it's very specific to the person experiencing it because it's yeah. your brain, your psyche talking to you specifically, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that the more that people can understand that the more I always say uh, in the absence of specificity, 
fear exists. And I think that the more specific we can get with our fears, uh, the more able we are or the more we're enabling ourselves to use your term to to use it as rocket fuel instead of as an anchor that holds us back from making progress so that was that was beautiful that was a great answer thank you thank you for (laughs) for for this you know um i also was never one that would think that i would influence people and i started seeing that lately and it's thank you thank you for solidifying that i guess yeah hey i'm i too seek to be a vessel in any way that I can. So uh, if that's what came through this, then I'm, I'm very thankful to be of you, be to be blessed to be a blessing in that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. but Ida, thank you very much for your time. And every I know everybody else that, that that's listened thanks you as well. You're welcome. If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, guys. Another episode is in the. I want to thank my guest Ida for an amazing time today and for being a genuine soul and sharing her story with us. Remember, wherever you're listening, be sure to follow us and have your notifications turned on to be notified the moment a new episode drops. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate the show and leave us a review. It's my vision to touch the lives of the masses and add value to the world. And every like, rating, and review only helps me further realize that vision. Remember, guys, Closed mouths don't get fed. If you don't understand something, ask questions and seek understanding. Because if we seek to understand more, we can learn to fear less. Remember, you can find me almost anywhere online at Coach Lane on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. And at Coach Lane Lee on Facebook. Thanks again for joining us today. Whatever it is you do, go out there and get after it. I'm Coach Lane. I'll catch you on the flip. (laughs) 